calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hi, I'm Keegan. And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your Your Angry Angry Neighborhood Neighborhood Feminist. Feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspectives. And we are doing another problematic fave episode. Can I get a hint? Yes. Well, I mean, they clicked on it, but... Very pretty. Thank you. It was gorgeous. Thank you. Every time I listen to myself singing on these episodes, I'm like, shut the fuck up. (laughs) Why? Um, Well, yes. So if you didn't get it from that clue, which if you didn't get it from that clue, you probably have not seen The Little Mermaid. And if you haven't seen The Little Mermaid, what is your life? What are you even doing? Um... (laughs) So we are talking... Unless you were Amish until, like, yesterday. And I'm like, I forgive you. There you go. Thank you for finding this podcast. We appreciate it. Hi. We are <laughs> speaking from a place of privilege when we say that you should have seen The Little Mermaid. Um, but, so we are talking about Disney's The Little Mermaid in particular. So the animated version, red hair, seashell bra, you know the drill. You know it. Got it? So, not that we're here to ruin life for you. No. We're not trying to do that. Because I, for one, love The Little Mermaid. I do, too. I would have to say... And there are other princesses that I think I associate myself with more than Ariel, but I would have to say Ariel's my favorite Disney princess. I don't know what it is about her. I don't think she's my favorite, but I I do enjoy The Little Mermaid. I enjoyed rewatching it for this episode. I, I did not rewatch it because I've seen it so many times. I could just oh, say really? it to you. I, I did. I watched it today. I watched it earlier today. I, How happy did it make you? I love that movie. I mean, I was watching it with a critical lens yes. for this podcast, so it does uh, open things up for me. I can't watch anything without a critical lens. We were Max and I were watching Basketball before I came here. Is that a movie? What is that? Yeah, it's really it's with the creators of South Park. It's on Netflix. It's really really funny. Oh, God. So it's probably hella problematic, though. Not real. I mean, yes. But it's also, um, it's like your typical, like, late 90s, early 2000s sure. guy comedy mm-hmm. or whatever. But it's always, like, the girl who's, like, really pretty, but, like, she works with kids. But she's, like, and she's super really, cool, though. But she's, like, but she's, like, she works with kids, and she's really sweet, and they both want to bang her so bad, so they're kind uh, of competing for it. And it's, like, I'm, like, God, this girl is such a tool in this plot. It's so frustrating. She's, like, the only woman in the entire a, movie. she's a device. She is. So, yeah, so, and we'll get to that whenever mm-hmm. we talk about Little Mermaid, but you know what? Even in The Little Mermaid, and it's called The Little Mermaid, and Ariel is the protagonist yep. and the main character, and she's also kind of sidelined and used as yeah. a plot device. Well, so, it's interesting because, so I got most of my information starting off the bat from a WordPress.com article uh, that had multiple essays within sure. it about the different things broken down. It was a wealth of information. So, but then I also got another article about why they think The Little Mermaid is feminist. Mm, okay, I'm willing to hear those arguments, right. but I am no, also willing to... There was like five essays on why it's problematic, so... Yeah, uh, but I want to be able to show both sides. Okay. You know, I have a quick question <laughs> for you, though, because this was something, talking to my boyfriend in the car today about today's episode, um, what, if you had kids one day and they wanted to watch The Little Mermaid, 
Um, Absolutely. Would yeah. I let them? Yeah. yeah. That yeah. was his question to me. And I said, yes. I just think that I would make comments like, wow, isn't that kind of messed up? The sheet like. Well, I would hope that my, my children who are raised in my household would have an understanding. Totally. You know, to be able to view media with that lens. Yeah. But I, I think, think making little comments or asking them questions about what they think about things is important because with most Disney movies, there are things that are I think censoring your children from from all of these things is not realistic, nor mm-hmm. is it actually helpful, because in life, that's not how it's going to be. Nope. And also, you can enjoy media. Yes. You can enjoy media while also realizing the ways in which it's problematic. I mean, I'm saying Little Mermaid is one of my favorite movies. Yeah, I, I, I enjoyed yeah, this I can movie still today. watch it and be like... I enjoyed this movie today, even while realizing the the issues that it it might have and the ways in which it may have negatively affected me as a young person. Like, we did an entire episode on how Disney itself is a problematic fave, and we touched on Little Mermaid in that episode. And I do think that a lot of these Disney movies had negative repercussions on me as a young person and growing up. Which is why I think it's important to have these conversations with kids and with each other to realize why they have maybe influenced our way of thinking. It doesn't mean there are things about them that I don't fully, solidly still enjoy. Of course. So I think we should kind of recap for people if you are one of those people who maybe you've never seen The Little Mermaid or you haven't in a very long time. Mm -hmm. Let's just do a very quick recap about the movie. First of all, this movie is so much shorter than I thought. Yeah, it's a quick watch. This movie is like 75 minutes long. It's it's very short. It gets things done. Yeah, it's under an hour and a half long. Honestly, I do deal for children but could for storyline wise we could have we could have had another 20 minutes on it um but so the movie opens with a ship kind of coming through and you see like eric i think is on that ship initially with all of his people he's playing the flute he's the recorder uh, it's definitely a recorder. Oh, I'm which sorry. Is He's playing the recorder. So much worse. <laughs> All the articles I read said flute, but it whatever he gets. so much worse. A flute is to the side. I know. Well, like, one of those, like, pan flutes. Like, who, it wasn't who, a pan who? flute. Oh, it was, like, right. a, a long phallic stick. <laughs> That's what it was, and which is a recorder, uh, as we all know from sixth grade And I will never look at a recorder the band. same. I can still play Mary Had a Little Lamb on the recorder. I have a recorder in this closet <gasps> somewhere. What? Um, yes, it's the most obnoxious thing I'm about looking life. around. <laughs> So, we open on that. You see this adorable little fish escape. And how much were you, like, breathing a sigh of relief when this fish wriggled its way out of the hands of these... Just, that is the most heart-wrenching part of the film. Um, listen. We need to have an entire conversation about how everyone... All of Ariel's family was, like... Or her friends and family were, like... um, um, Humans are barbarians. Yeah. Humans are barbarians because they eat fish. Yeah. You're a part fish. And she's like, you don't even know them. They're wonderful. And I'm like, no, they have a fucking point. (laughs) They eat your friends. They eat flounder. Yeah, you can't be like BFF with flounder and Sebastian and then be like, this is fine. But isn't that the same thing as why people go vegan and vegetarian Absol- in our I world? mean, absolutely it is, but I think That's it was, their propaganda. But They're trying be, to make everyone a vegetarian or a vegan. It would be a lot different if like, it would be different if I had a speaking conversation <laughs> with you and then I was just like, I'm going to hook up with this dude who literally eats your brothers and sisters. <laughs> That's fucked up. It's real fucked up, and they don't even talk about it. But anyway. I mean, they do, like, when Sebastian's in the cook's kitchen. But that's fucked up, because, like, she doesn't seem to care at all. Okay, we'll get to that. Anyway, it doesn't matter. So, I mean, it matters a little, but we'll get to it. So, the fishy escapes. This is gonna be fun. The fishy escapes, and he takes us into... Yeah, and we never see him again. But he takes you into Atlantica. Is that what it's called? Yes. And how much do you want to fucking live there? You know those BuzzFeed quizzes where they're like, pick, it's like a Disney quiz. It's like, pick a palace to live in. I pick Atlantica every fucking time. Well, here's the thing about Atlantica. One, it it also has a giant penis. It looks like a penis. Yeah. It looks like a penis palace. So there's that. But then two. Keegan, you can't say funny (laughs) shit while I'm drinking. I'm so sorry. But two. The only reason why I wouldn't want to live in Atlantica is because King Triton is the worst. Oh, he's but an awful person. He's the worst. But he's a bad dad. He's a bad dad. He's a possessive dad. Kind of a shitty ruler. But anyway. Yeah. So, But, like, the, when, but like King Triton aside, doesn't this seem like it's happening? I mean, it does in the way that I'm just like, 
Ariel, I, I mean, why are you trying to escape this? You're I want to live underwater. Mermaid. So. You're a fucking mermaid. It's yeah. great. Why do you want to be a person? We're the worst. So the fish Which kind is of what under the sea is leads, trying to say. Exactly. The fish leads us into Atlantica. They're about to have this awesome party yeah. where King Triton, who has like a million fucking daughters, yeah. he's like, I'm going to, as a bad leader, he's like, I'm going to force my entire under the sea To watch city. my daughters sing. They need to come and like watch my daughters sing. He's forcing them to do this. They act like they're happy about it, but I'm like, I Adrena, wouldn't be. Alana. I'm like, you guys are... F- Interrupting my and their Saturday. Names all sm- their names all start with the letter A. They do, and it's it's gross. <laughs> they're one of those families. Yeah, they're a fucking like sixteen kids and counting or whatever. Nineteen. Whatever. But Too whatever. many. <sighs> so Too many kids and counting. They're they go to this concert and it's this big thing. I think it's supposed to be like a coming out thing for Ariel because yeah. she gets her own clamshell Man, to, to Venus if, out of. What if Ariel was gay and it was a coming out party? That would be great. That'd be awesome. But that's not the case. <laughs> this is a very heteronormative movie. Yeah, I have a whole article about heteronormativity in this it's movie. It's extremely so. heteronormative. So they're having this big, giant, introduction, debutante yep. ball-style concert. And they're um, like, our sister, Ari. <gasps> and she's not there. She's not there. So they're like, where is she? Well, you know what she's doing? This is the most interesting part of the fucking movie to mm-hmm. me. Is like, she's off being a badass explorer. Because yep. Ariel is brave and inquisitive and curious. And she wants to learn about things. Yeah. And she's... Kind of like Indiana Jonesing her way through shipwrecks, and she's kind of tagging along this scared little friend flounder, little Carswell. chubby fish. She's just trying to get him to get out of his shell, so to speak. Just but she's kind of mean to him too. But I know, but but he but flounder's kind of a pain in the ass. He's like, oh, I don't want to, and she's like, come on. Well, flounder. she's being kind of reckless, that's but true. but she is very brave. But that's what's fun, and that's what makes her interesting. Is yes. she's like brave. She's interested in this other culture. She's trying to find human shit. So she's going through this shipwreck looking for human stuff. Mm -hmm. She's collecting human things. They run away from a shark and she's like, I want to go find out what this human shit is. Yeah, so she goes to see Scuttle. Scuttle, the mansplainer who doesn't know (laughs) shit about shit. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, he's like, Keegan, just hold my hand for a second. I've never loved you more in my life than I have in this episode. It's the truth. You are killing it, girl. Thank you so much. (laughs) Um, But yeah, where he he lies to her about what things are. It's a dinglehopper. But Basically, we're supposed to take in that she is a wonderful, curious mm-hmm. 16-year-old. Yeah. Just tuck that away for later. And she's, she's 16. Ballsy. For 16? Yeah. She stands up to her ballsy. dad, who's yelling at her for missing the concert, which he has every right to do because that is shitty, not to be responsible enough to make it to your concert. Um, you waste a lot. But she forgets. She's like, oh, no. But you know, wasted like, a lot of people's time there, Ariel. Come on. Um, you made the whole kingdom come, look at you sing, and you didn't show up. And then you didn't show up. And then everyone had to go to rehearsal and well, shit for you. She's 16. Exactly. She's 16. Exactly. She's going to miss it. Everyone keep that in mind. 16. Ariel's supposed to be 16. 16. And she says to her dad, she says when he's yelling at her that she's 16 and she's an adult or whatever. Didn't we all say that when of we were 16? Of course. I'm an adult. I remember my first communion when I was seven years old. I'm not a old. child. I was like, you're gonna, you have to treat me like an adult now because I had my first communion. And my mom's like, sure, Jan. Sh- sure, sure, sure. <laughs> so after that, she's having, um, well, her dad kind of is like, hey, uh, Sebastian, keep an, a watchful eye over my daughter. And that is how Sebastian, who is the composer and has no business <laughs> watching over children, but whatever. And is also... Jamaican for yes. some reason. We're gonna get into that. I, I don't know why he's Jamaican. We're gonna get into it, girl. Don't even worry. But he is he his job is now to watch over Ariel. So he sees all her shenanigans. He is having a conversation with Ariel and they see a ship go by above yes. them and she's like, I wonder what that is. So she so whims up, which by the way, the bottom of the ocean to the top is a very short distance in yeah. this movie. <laughs> like <laughs> It's incredibly shallow. <laughs> like, if mermaids were that close underneath we would us... would have seen them. Absolutely. So, Mermaids, she, swim shallow water so I can see you. She swims up to the surface, and she sees Eric playing his recorder, and she's like, dreamy, I'm in and love. And he has a dog. And he's a dog who's the only animal in this movie who can't speak. And why speak? are dogs always named Max? <laughs> oh, is that is that the dog's name? Yes. Oh. Dogs are always Max. 
and my boyfriend is Max, who yeah. loves dogs. So I guess it makes sense. Yeah, but it's just kind of like mm. you can be Max and um, Ariel for Halloween. <laughs> just put him in a really shaggy white <laughs> costume. Yeah, I mean, honestly, this dog is the only one who knows what's up, and he can't speak. He's the yep. only one who can't speak. So she sees Eric, and as all 16-year-olds who mm-hmm. see a cute guy with dimples, yep. she and blue eyes falls and dark hair. instantly in love with Eric. I always He's have hot. hots for Eric. He's a hot he Disney prince. He is hot. That's a smoking Disney prince. He is hot. So... She falls in love with him, and then comes the quickest hurricane you've ever seen in your fucking life. Yeah, a hurricane no comes out of nowhere in the eye of a hurricane. Exactly, ship wrecks, and Ariel saves Eric. So yeah. there, you see a little bit of a turning, you know, flipping the script. She yeah. saves him. She drags him He's to shore. The damsel in distress. Exactly. He wakes up. He sees her singing at him, mm-hmm. and. He's like, your soup's hot. So hot. <laughs> your dress, you're, you are sparkling. Your voice is you like look, an angel. Your hair smoking. And you're wearing Gorgeous. a fucking seashell bra. Love it. I want to get in that thin girl. That's exactly right. Yeah. He is horny. Horny. So <laughs> she manages to get away from him, but she's in love. She's yeah. so in love. And meanwhile, Ursula, the sea witch, is keeping an eye on Ariel and is like, I am going to use her for my means. They kicked me out of the sea palace. Well, fuck them. Hold on a minute. Hold on a sec. Wait to see what I got. I fucking hate Triton and I'm like, girl, same. Aren't they like brother and sister or something? I think they are. like niece and... I think that that's... I think that that's the lore. I think the lore is that they're supposed to be brother and sister. Yeah. And in which case, I'm just like, yeah, fuck you, Triton. Like, she has as much right to that undersea Atlantica world. But he's a mermaid or a merman and she's an octopus. Which I'm like... But she's like half octopus. So she's like a different type of mermaid. Well, that's the thing is, what are they saying about Ursula? Are they... Because I feel like part of why she is not accepted is because she's othered because like she's the she's only she's othered in a million ways she's othered in a million ways but she's also the only tentacle person we see and she doesn't even have eight tentacles she does not she has six i believe why yeah i don't know Weird. she's not even an octopus she's a well but maybe it's like the six tentacles and the two hands so like maybe. eight i don't know eight don't appendages know. i i mean i want to get into like i said i read these great essays i want to get into Ar- ursula in a little oh, bit oh we will but get like, so into, put a pin in ursula we will get so into ursula i i actually kind of fucking love i her. was so scared of ursula when i was little that i got a mcdonald's toy of ursula in my happy meal and i screamed and my mom had to like put it away i still like wanted it i didn't want to throw it away but my mom had to like hide it because she was haunting me in as my an adult woman I fucking love Ursula. So we'll she's get, my favorite we'll villain. Get to it. She's my favorite villain. Yeah. But when I was little, she scared me more than Cruella Deville, and Cruella Deville scared the living shit. Cruella Deville scared me more, I think. But um, and, Melis- and Maleficent scared the shit out of me when I was little. Mm. So I, actually, you know what? I think the stepmom from Cinderella scared oh, me. Oh, I the can most. handle her when she's, I was little. She scared me. She was like real life scary. <laughs> so. After this shipwreck, she saves Eric. She is acting different. Her sisters are like, what the fuck's up with her? Oh my god, she's in love. Oh my god, she's in love. And King Triton is, like, overly excited about her being in love in a way that made me feel weird. Yeah. Um, So he calls in Sebastian. Sebastian is terrified of King Triton, which is how you know he's a shit leader. Yeah. Because... Sebastian is so scared of him. Yeah. And basically gets it out of Sebastian that she's in love with a human. Mm-hmm. So then comes the worst part of this movie for me, which is when Triton bursts into her cave of human wonders. But that's right after she sings the beautiful part of your world. Oh, yes, of course. She sings part of your world. It's lovely. But then Triton breaks in. Flounder has managed to somehow, with his teeny tiny little little chubby fins, fins, drag in the statue that was given to Eric so it looks yes. like him into her cave of wonders as a gift for her. Yeah. She's very excited in yeah. the way any 16-year-old oh would God, be excited. It's like, a, it's like kissing a poster on your wall. Yeah, she's, she's, like, oh she's 16. And everything about her behavior in the first half of the movie so 16. informs us that she is 16 years old. Yeah, And King Triton breaks in, is like, hey, man, they eat fish, that's fucked up, which, touche. Touche. But she's like, no, they're Daddy, deeper than I that. Daddy, I love him. Which, girl, 
Girl. You just saw him yesterday. You haven't even met him. You don't know anything about him. Yeah. But okay, you're 16. So then comes the worst part of the movie when King Triton destroys all her shit. I know. Which is not an okay response. No, he is really scary. He's scary mad. He's scary mad. And I'm also just like, this is not acceptable no. as a father. This isn't the way that you handle this shit. No. You just Can you imagine your dad coming in and just smashing trashing all your, your shit? room? Like, no. just destroying everything that you hold dear to you. No, it's fucked up. It's so fucked up. And it leads 16-year-old defiant Ariel to go to the Sea Witch and be like, hey. Well, first of all, Flotsam and Jetsam. Yeah, Yeah. Flotsam and Jetsam, the eels who are um, Ursula's henchmen, come and they're like, hey, we can help help you you. with your problems. So at first she's like, no, thank you. But then she's like, actually, yeah. Is it Sebastian or Flounder who's like, don't go with them? Both of them. Yeah. They both try and swim next to her and they're like hey please don't do this and she's like hey Sebastian why don't you go tell my dad what I'm getting ready to do since you're so good at that Mm -hmm. bye she goes to Ursula then comes the best song in the whole fucking movie right Poor Unfortunate Souls is the best song in this movie the best do you know the Jonas Brothers version of Poor Unfortunate Souls no I don't know if I want to know that it's a jam. Is it? It's a jam. I don't I don't the original is a slapper we can just keep with that you know what I mean Best villain song of all time. Yes. I'm going to come out and say it right now. It's so good. It's so good. And I'm so in love with Ursula when she sings it because you've got this, like, awesome, plus-sized, queer-coded woman who yeah. is, like, just so, like, she's sexy in it, she's actually. She's so like, sexy. As an adult woman. She's got nice boobies. She's, she's like, got mm. great movement. I love yeah. it. I love it. So she sings this song. She convinces Ariel. She's like, hey... I can turn you into a human for three days. You have to get this dude to kiss you. And if you don't get that to happen... and get It him won't to f- cost much. Just, just your, your voice. voice. So he's got to kiss you. He's got to fall in love with you. You've got three days. Um, I'm going to take your voice as collateral. Yeah. Uh, so you won't be able to communicate. But it's fine because men don't want you to talk anyway. Yeah, they just want you to be cute. It's fine. But if you don't do it, I'm going to turn you into this weird sea worm thing. Yeah, you'll be a little fucking sea monkey or whatever yeah. the fuck those you'll are. You'll be one of my jars on the wall and it's going to be cool. Which, if Ursula didn't collect human souls, which is the thing that makes her the most evil, <laughs> if she didn't do that, she'd be the best. Like, she's yeah. honestly the best. She's the best. So, and if she didn't convince 16-year-olds to give them her talents. Maybe if Triton wasn't such an asshole. Then right? she wouldn't have had to do this. All of this, this movie wouldn't need to happen if Triton wasn't if such an asshole. If he wasn't such a dick. So... She's like, you know what? I'm hesitant about this. She does actually say, I'm scared I'm going to miss my dad and sisters. Yeah. But I really have the hots for this dude. I saw for all of five minutes. I also feel like it's, she has the hots for this dude, but I have to say. She's got curiosity. She's been obsessed with the human world before she met Eric. She wants to know what what we do. She wants to learn more about us. So I feel like he was more of like a vehicle in a way, but it's portrayed as more I than think that. it's just I think we're supposed to believe that she wouldn't have done this yes. if not I believe I believe if so not well. for Eric. Yes. So she there is this scene I was like this is kind of shocking. When she becomes a person they, the camera work to try and disguise her nudity is very mm-hmm. interesting. I'm like, she's clearly naked in this mm-hmm. scene. And she, we get the first glimpse that she cannot swim as a, per, as a person. So little flounder has to, like, carry her up to the surface. And his fins are, like, teensy a tiny. Yeah, he he's got, like, like, little bitty fins. Um, and he, he takes her to shore. She washes up on the shore. They get scuttled to get her a, a nice fucking sail dress. Yeah. She's which looking is cute. foxy. Very foxy. Uh, and she is found by Eric. And Eric has been lovesick for this girl who saved him on the beach. Yeah. And he sees her and he's like. And the dog spots her. And he's like, you. It must be you. But then she can't talk. And he's yeah. like, no, the bitch that I loved could sing. So it can't be you. <laughs> exactly. So the bitch. Yeah, he's like, can't. Mm, can't be you, but you still hot though. So I'll yeah. still take you home. Yeah. You seem vulnerable. Uh, you must you have seem- gone through something very traumatic. You're wearing a sail as a dress. <laughs> so I'm gonna let this lady give you a bath, like in my palace. <laughs> Which is the next thing that happens. A stranger gives this girl a bath. He's like, let me let me dress you up real nice. Yeah, I'll make you let look me, real pretty. Yeah. You're going to smell real good. you going to smell real good, girl. Yeah. Real good. So he ends up giving her a tour of his 
land his grounds and they try and do some real artful messaging to try and get him to kiss her. Yep. A real problematic song is introduced, which we'll discuss later, yep. uh, to try and get him to kiss her, but it comes too close. He yeah. almost kisses her and Flotsam and Jetsam see that, which Flip means... Flip the boat over. Ursula sees it, which means she's like, this is too close for comfort. I gotta do something about this. Yeah. So she hoodwinks Eric by wearing a necklace that has... Ariel's, Ariel's voice, voice coming out of it, and it hypnotizes Eric, and he's like, okay, I'm gonna marry her because she's clearly the woman that saved me on the beach. And, and breaks poor Ariel's heart. Ariel's heart In is broken. In that adorable broken. pink nightgown. I know. She's super sad. And she throws herself on the bed, buries her arms in her ar- in her, her she head. She does her a arms. lot of throwing herself places. All Disney princesses yeah, do. Yeah, she does it at least twice. Yeah. So she's sixteen. When they find if out, you haven't heard. <laughs> Scuttle is an idiot, but he is good for one thing, which is yeah. finding out that Ursula is impersonating Vanessa, who mm-hmm. is the evil woman who mm-hmm. Eric is going to marry. So he galvanizes all of the sea creatures to go and attack the boat. Yep. And they... Where Eric and Vanessa are getting married, by the way. Yes, where Eric and Vanessa are getting married at sea. Uh, Ariel manages to make it to the boat. She gets her voice back. Can I get a quick pause? Yes. Do you know the hidden thing when Vanessa and Eric are at the altar? The erect penis? The erect penis. Yes, I do. Just need to interject. They've edited that that out of all the new ones. Yeah, I know. But if you watch the old ones... That erect penis is there, friends. Yes, it is. For your viewing pleasure. The priest has the an priest erect penis. Has it's, a so if you have a VHS of this from like the 80s or the early 90s, it's yeah. probably still on there. Which is what I grew up watching. Yeah, same. So uh, she gets her voice back. He's like, oh my God, it's you. But by then the sun is going down and they miss their window. She turns back into a fish. Have right you in seen front that? of everybody. Have you seen that gif though where he's holding her and it's like when you, something about pooping. No. And she's like, she makes that face where it's like, oh. Where she turns back into a fish. Yeah, it's oh. pretty, it's really funny. Gross. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. Okay, but you know what scares me the most? So where are you going with this? She turns back into a mermaid. And Ursula then turns back into her in the most octopus mate. Honestly, horrifying. A it's horrible like horrible way. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah. There's, there's also something about the way she busts out of her dress that yeah. is so like fat shamey to me. It is that I don't like. I don't like it either, but it horrified me it, as a child. But what does scary. that say about me? Yeah, and then her like tentacles flop out. Yes, it's scary, and yeah. she has this like crazed look in her. Oh, she's very scary. Oh, it's scary. So. Anyway, after that happens, she manages to convince Triton to... Because she's turning Ariel into a seaweed monster. Yeah. And she manages to convince Triton to take her place. And then she becomes queen of Atlantica. Yes. And is about to, like, fuck shit up. Yep. When Ariel accidentally kills Flotsam and Jetsam. And she goes off and bitch magnifies like 8,000 times her regular <laughs> yeah, size. Because when we get angry, we get real big. We get real big? <laughs> real mad. And is basically about to just destroy everything when Eric to the rescue comes and harpoons her, essentially. She dies. She dies really horrifically, actually. Yeah. I was watching it and I'm like, that's actually awful. Yeah, she's, it's like a spear to the gut. She's skewered yeah. by a boat. Yeah. Not good. It's not good. Um, But so she dies, and then at the very end, we see Ariel kind of forlornly looking at Eric. Yeah. And so Triton is like, you know what? I'm going to turn really her loves him, back doesn't she? to a person, and she can go marry him. And, and so he makes a rainbow in She's 16 and gets married and happily and ever after. And how old is Eric? I don't fucking know, but all of He's this He's got to be bad. like 22. They want him to get married real bad in this movie, so he's got to be, like, in his early 20s, I would think. Yeah. Anyway, it doesn't matter, but it's all bad, because I'm like, you're 16! Yeah. Don't get married at 16! They didn't need to make her 16. It's very weird that they wrote her that way. I mean, most Disney princesses are, like, between 14 and 17. It's weird. It doesn't need to happen like that. Rapunzel's young, Sleeping Beauty's young, Cinderella's young. Jasmine is young. It it doesn't make sense. I don't understand it. It's like, you could have easily written her to be, like... 20 and it would have still and been fine and you wouldn't have to change the animation she would look the same he, even Do if you she know, was 18 i yeah. would have been like okay yeah 
I wish I looked like her when I was 16. God, no one looks like her. No. No one. Unrealistic body type. The Little Mermaid was 1990s top-selling movie on home video, selling over 10 million copies, 70% of them in the first month, which is crazy. So should we go into body image a little bit? Sure. This movie tells young girls that there is a one-dimensional idea of what is beautiful and that physical beauty is the most important quality for a woman to possess. As do most Disney movies. Most Disney movies have that messaging. Yeah. And you see that a lot when you compare... It's something that we talked about in our villains episode as well. When you compare the body types of the villains to the ingenues, almost 100%. always there's a very huge physical difference. And this one is very obvious. And very apparent because you have Ariel's body type, which is has been compared to Jasmine in its yeah. level of unrealistic, which yes. like the her head is bigger than her waist size. Yeah. And then you have um, Ursula, who is very clearly a plus-size woman in a way that I feel like Again, watching it as an adult, it's it's sexy to me. But watching it as a child, this is supposed to be the antagonist. This is supposed to be the villain. And I feel like they're trying to draw her in a way that is grotesque to you. Yeah, well, it's interesting because Ursula was inspired by a drag queen named Divine. So if you look at it that way, too, it's like, what message are you trying to send? Well, a lot of the Disney villains are queer-coded in my my view. I I feel like a lot of them, I feel like even Jafar, has this kind yes, of feminine way of speaking and moving. Yeah. Scar as well, kind yeah. of same, like the way that they move is very... And I feel like Ursula, although she was modeled after a drag queen and they were very upfront about that, mm-hmm. I feel like also she very much has a lot of lesbian coding. Well, She's it is got interesting awesome because short hair. They often... Th- she does. When I had short hair, people would call it the Ursula haircut. I like her haircut. It's I do bomb. too. Um... It's interesting because the ingenues and the lead male characters, they often base off of uh, what we deem as very beautiful celebrities. I mean, Aladdin was based off of Tom Cruise. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that, but I see it now. I do see that. So it's interesting how they show, you know, skinny, pale-skinned, blue-eyed, but curvy, you know, girl, that's ideal. That's the innocence. That's the beauty. And then we see Ursula, who's this kind of you know, oversized octopus. Well, and the way she short moves, hair. the way she moves, her even, sexuality is negative. Um, where, where yes. Ariel's sexuality is positive. Well, because Ariel doesn't know she's being sexual. Exactly. So that, that's seen as something that is positive. Whereas yeah. there's an overt sexuality to Ursula that is seen as negative. And also the way she moves is very deliberate. Like uh-huh. Ursula's way of moving is she knows she's taking up space. Yeah. She knows she's being loud. She knows she's taking up space and she wants it that way. Exactly. And that is supposed to be seen as something that's negative. Yeah, and it's interesting. I read a while ago kind of the psychology of Disney with coloring and, um, like, with what colors they decide to have their characters wear. And purple and green are the colors of their villains. Yes. And Ursula's purple. Yeah. You know, so we have that associated with all the Disney movies that we grew up with. Yeah, so she's not only othered in that she is an octopus person and, like, there aren't any other octopus people she's in purple. Atlantica. She's also an unnatural color, which no yeah. one else is. Yeah. No, none of the other sea people are an unnatural which color. Which, I want to know Ursula's backstory. I want a movie about Ursula's backstory I, and I how think... she got where it was because I feel for her. I think the lore is that, I think I I heard somewhere that originally they were supposed to be brother and sister and like that was the story. Uh, And then that got written out. So I think that They make, if I remember correctly, they do make mentions to brother or sister or something, but I could be wrong. I don't remember Family. them making reference to that, maybe but she, she does say that she used to live in the palace and she got thrown out. Okay, maybe that's so what I'm thinking So there's reason, they don't go into why, Yeah, but it would make sense it would. if they were related in some way. Yeah, definitely. Um, but, but yeah, so there's very negative... I know, as much as I loved Disney movies, and I loved princess yeah. movies so much, but there is a lot of very negative body image shit that comes out of that because it is so directly tied beauty and thinness is so directly tied with goodness i was gonna say goodness yeah you know you don't usually see somebody of a different body type who is presented in a positive way somebody who may be bigger may be seen as the bumbling fool or the maid or it's not seen as someone who can be beautiful 
And as we've seen in our comments this week, we've made a post about Shrill, and people are like, I don't find fat people beautiful. It's like, well, a lot of people do, so fuck you. Well, yeah. You know? It's just interesting how, but, like, that's probably a lot of reasons why, you know, we're we're conditioned to believe this, and as children, we're so vulnerable to these images that we get through media. Yeah, and all this messaging. Absolutely. Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. Should we talk about race a little bit? Sure. Sure. (laughs) Sure. So there aren't any non-white human characters in the film. It's filled with racial stereotypes that influences children's views. So the term race is a social and historical classification constructed in order to create differences among people with dissimilar skin tones, although there is only one human race. Just to give you a quick Right. Race is a social construct. Exactly. It it doesn't mean that those social markers don't have real-life consequences for people. They absolutely do. Yeah, and the differences signify differences in social and political hierarchy, and you see that a lot in this movie. Although we all come from different cultural backgrounds and have different cultural practices and ideas influenced by the culture, this does not mean the color of our skin presents absolute traits to all people of particular skin colors. I'm done with my PSA. (laughs) So, The Little Mermaid... The social construct of race is used to perpetuate hierarchical differences between white characters and the few non-white characters. Right. So when we're saying non-white characters, these are fish. They're not. It's not. They're not explicitly black or brown in any sort of way. But, but it's, it's very the, clear that for no reason at all. It's incredibly clear. Um, Sebastian is Jamaican. Uh, yes. And you know, I always assumed Jamaican as, as a Being black. black. Exactly. I did as well. And the way that they are shown in the film are they're depicting them as being lower class. When we look at Under the Sea, they are all um, to be seen as the lower class bunch of Atlantica, right? So there's definitely a hierarchy. There's, you know, the mermaids (laughs) are at the top and then the fish are at the bottom. Yeah. And he even, even in a line, he says, the fluke is the Duke of soul. The blackfish sings. So he's, they're making a lot of references in the song under the sea to, um, black musicians and Mm -hmm. artists. So let's get into under the sea a little bit. So it is sang by Sebastian, a crab with a Jamaican accent, as we said. He sings about how life is better under the sea because you don't have to get a job or work, which is saying that Jamaican people or black people are lazy, which is not true. Yeah, I mean, there is, uh, like, Sebastian himself is depicted as a hard worker, you know, but there is that aspect also, like, Triton forces him because he's the king, to do a job that's not his fucking job, which is, like, basically to parent his kid. Like, he... That's not... That's not his job. He's a composer. And we're supposed to believe in the beginning... Listen, I know I'm going deep into a children's movie. But but we're supposed to to believe in the beginning of the movie that Sebastian is a... a, Like, an award-winning composer. Mm -hmm. He's the the palace composer. And Ariel... has that power over him. Ariel not showing up to this thing could have fucked up his whole fucking career, which is a typical entitled white girl move, Ariel, and not cool. Um, We don't appreciate that We don't appreciate it. And yet... Triton still treats him as if he's his errand boy. Yeah. He, like, basically hires him to spy on his kid. Do you not forget, after the first five minutes of the movie, that that's who he is as a composer? Because I sure as hell did when I was younger. I I thought he was, like, his little, like, errand boy. I mean, they make references to it throughout. Like, when you get to kiss the girl, like, he's like, I've got this. This is my job. I know how to compose a beautiful song. But... But yeah. you kind of forget it. So, yeah. also the other fish that sing the song have clearly African American voices and have traits such as drooping eyes, large lips, and names that indicate the race Disney has attempted to label them with. Well, I think one of them, who's playing like the steel drums, even has like dreadlocks or something. Yeah, yeah, I believe so. So, um, the characters, like I said, are made to look like black musicians and singers. They are all secondary characters with practically no role in the film other than singing about an ideal world free of work. So I learned about a little something called hegemony. Hegemony? I don't know. Okay. Which is the control of a group by consent. And Disney uses this film to control and shape the minds of the youth, making them believe in social constructs of race and the stereotypes that adhere to it. To counteract the damage, Disney has the responsibility to raise awareness of the stereotyping in this film, as well as many others. So that was something from this essay from WordPress.com that I found really interesting. Um, that's not necessarily just tied to race, but tied to a lot of different things. And that is the belief, um, the beliefs 
That is the beliefs that Disney has instilled in us, whether we realize it or not. The different hierarchies between uh, race, body image, mm-hmm. sexuality, things Absolutely. like that. Where they very much now have a responsibility to fight against that, and they really don't. Yeah, I mean... Th- they have gotten a lot better, yeah. right? Like, the same people who made The Little Mermaid are the people who made Moana. And yeah. I would say that Moana is very feminist in many ways, and including body image. I think that they've come a long, long way as far as um, working to subvert those things that maybe they yeah. perpetuated in the and past. And they made Beauty and the Beast where they had the first gay Disney character ever. Yes. Um, so I think that they have done what they could, but it, it is important for us to remember that we need to hold these businesses accountable as well and that yep. we need to keep expecting them to be making these strides. Well, yeah. And I, I kind of want to touch on with Little Mermaid. <laughs> Little Mermaid came out in, I think, 1988 or 1989. I think it was 89. Yeah, 1989. So when that movie came out, people were like, oh my God. This Disney princess is so like she's got so much agency. She's got personality. Well, this that's is how they amazing. sold it. That's how they sold well, it in and, all the promos. And it's true. Yeah. But look at what you're comparing it to. You're comparing yeah. it to princesses who were literally unconscious. Yeah. For large swaths of the movie. That's like, true. Like you know what I mean. Like or completely helpless in their storyline. Absolutely line. helpless. So we bought that in that, like, oh, my God, she has an interest. She's brave. She has a whole song about wanting something more and something different. And it gave us this, like, blueprint for what these Disney Renaissance princesses would be like. Yeah. But when you take a closer look at Ariel, she doesn't have very much agency at all, actually. Yeah, she really doesn't. She has agency up until she sees Eric. Yeah. The moment she sees Eric... I mean, and I guess you could say she has agency in that she did decide to sign a piece of paper to become a person. Like, she had agency in that way. But as soon as she loses her literal voice, she loses her figurative voice. Like, it's it's gone. She doesn't make any active decisions from then on. Yep. Um... at all. <laughs> well, you led me right into my next topic of notes, which is female suppression. So the fact that she loses her voice um, compares a lot within this article that I read, compares a lot to the suffragette movement. Women protested for their right to vote and have their voices heard. So Ariel throwing away her right to speak was a huge step back for women. Um, I don't know if it was a huge step back for women because I don't think a lot of people took it so literally. I never did when I was younger. I didn't take that to mean... That, but in Ursula's song, Poor Unfortunate Souls, she even, she says, men don't like it when you talk. You just need your body language, your good looks, your pretty face, and that's all that you really need. Right. I mean, and granted, she has an ulterior motive. She's trying to convince her to do something. But, like, I think the fact that we didn't internalize these things and we didn't see it as something literal is kind of the point. It's like, because... Because whether we thought so or not, we did internalize it. We did. We did, we did absorb it. We whether or not song. we understood we yeah. what was happening, because everything about Ariel changes. Like yeah. once she loses her voice, she becomes so 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 passive. Yeah. Um. In really every way. I mean, she saves Eric in the beginning, and then Eric has to save her in the end. Right. She's sidelined in her own story. She is. Like, by the time Vanessa steps in, right, and she is told, which, by the way, she is told in the morning, she's known this guy for two days. They've gone on one date. Like, one real date canoeing. And she is told... Hey, I just heard the news. Eric's getting married today. Congratulations. And she's so happy. And it's like, you think you're about to get married? This motherfucker didn't even ask you. Yeah. He just decided you're going to get married and you're happy about it. Yeah. You no, know, and we absorb that messaging as like, we should just be happy if the guy who Well, we because have a we also with- want her to be able to stay a human. We don't want Ursula to turn her into a sea monkey. You sure. Know what I, mean? I mean, like, absolutely, but that's not her motivation. No, like, it is. Her isn't. motivation yeah. is this romantic love that yeah. comes from. Nothing. Like, the two of them love each other for no reason other than that they're both hot and in proximity to each other. Very much so. He doesn't know anything about her. And we're just supposed to absorb these ideas that, like, if you are pretty... It's fine. Yeah. Like, if a guy likes you, that's enough. Well, and it's interesting because, you know, we talk about her in the beginning having so much aspiration. She literally gives up her, one of her most defining traits, which is her singing voice. They talk about how beautiful her singing voice is. And then she, you know, the first song she sings is Part of Your World, which is a song of 
yearning for something beyond what she knows. It may be also part of being about Eric, but a lot of it is like, I want to know Absolutely. what fire is. I want to know what it feels like to walk on the beach. Well, I think she actually sings that song before she meets Eric. Is it? Okay. Yeah, I think it is. So then, well, you're right, because then after she meets Eric, she sings the reprise, and the lyrics are, what would I give to live where you are? What would I pay to stay there beside you? What would I do to see you smiling at me? Where it shifts so dramatically between a sense of wonder and curiosity and knowledge exactly. to a sense of I would give anything to be with this person exactly. in the same melody. Yeah. It's very it, bizarre. Everything about the movie shifts. Uh-huh. I think we could have had a much more interesting story if we gave her some motivations beyond romantic interest. Exactly. Because she had those motivations. And I think that that's what's so frustrating about this movie is like there was a spark of something very interesting in her. Yeah. And it was kind of a thing that was like... It was squashed. She was like, quickly. I'm going to throw it away for this guy, give up my voice, and then yeah. get married at yeah. 16. Well, and it shows also that girls should be seen and not heard in a relationship because he has... The ball is completely in Eric's court. Absolutely. 100%. And that's something to talk about as well. Her sexual agency is completely thrown away. Because yeah. Ursula is like, you have to get him to kiss you in three yep. days. Well, that's not even what she says. You have to have a kiss in three days. Yep. But our understanding, and this is something that we just absorbed and accepted yep. as truth, was that he has to be the one to kiss her. Yes. And she can't do it. She doesn't have any, like, sexual agency of her own. It's all on him to make the first move, which is such an archaic idea. <laughs> 100%. And the fact that she cannot speak when we look at the song Kiss the Girl, you know, they're singing about, it don't take a word, not, not a, single a single word. Not a single word. Just kiss the girl. Yeah. And, you know, she is... There's she, one she way to ask it. her. Yeah. By just like, doing it. Just do it. Yeah, just do it. And, you know, we know in her mind, she's like, please kiss me, please kiss me. And she's, you know, she's trying to make her body seem like, yes, 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 do it, do it, do it. And we've all fucking been there because of things like this. Yeah, I, I literally, I, when Max and I went on our second date, it was a lunch date, which is why he claims he didn't kiss me. I was, like, presenting myself like a peacock. I'm like, kiss me. Like, I, like, but you know what, though? looking up, like, I'm like, just do it. It's so fucked up, though, that, yeah, like, it is. we as women feel like we have to do that. And we do yeah. because it's so deeply ingrained. We can't make the first move. We can't ask for the date. We yeah. can't do any of those things. And no matter how much we know that's bullshit, mm -hmm. it's so deeply ingrained in us societally that we don't feel like we can. And, yeah. like, that is messed up. You can ask for the first kiss. Like, yeah. you can do it. You can make the first I got move. shy. You know? No, absolutely. I did kiss him, though. When we finally had our first kiss, I was just like, fuck it. I'm just doing it. Um, should we talk a little bit about heteronormativity? Yeah, sure. <laughs> so. It's a very heteronormative Dis movie. It is. But in Disney, in general, same-sex couples are absent. Minus the live-action version of Beauty and the Beast. Well, or they're coded. Or like, they're very, or very Or you're coded. supposed to believe that they are gay, but we're not going to talk about it, and they're also evil. Yeah, so. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, or they're outcasts in some way or things yeah. like that. So the way the heteronormative ideals mold children, they manipulate them to believe that love and romance can only be found in the opposite sex. It also demonstrates that uh, that sexualities that deviate from societal norms should be frowned upon, like you just said. If there's someone who's kind of coded as being in that community, it's a, it's in a negative way. Well, and I think it also, which this is more of the thing that happened for me, it drives home that idea that, like, men and women can't be friends. Yeah. It's just, like, if you like a person who's an, of an opposite sex than you, then that means that you must have some kind of romantic attraction to them. Exactly. And what we said earlier, too... The movie shows that women must be sexually innocent, shy, or modest, and it's evident when Ursula calls Ariel a tramp after she almost kisses Eric for the first yes, time. Yes, it's true. So Not cool, Ursula. No. Not cool. You should know better. Sister. Sister. Come on. You know better. So, the portrayal of heteronormativity in media can have an impact on one's mental health, especially with children. Um, children who may be finding themselves attracted to others who identify as the same sex are forced to see it as, a neg as negative and unnatural. In The Little Mermaid, all characters demonstrate gender stereotypes and heterosexuality, which teaches children that if one were to deviate from those societal boundaries, it is abnormal. Yep. So I don't have that experience being a straight white woman. Mm -hmm. But I can imagine if I was on the flip side 
and never seeing myself be represented, which I'm sure that you can relate to, but never seeing myself represented and having these thoughts in my head, especially if I were feeling attracted to the same sex and only seeing a very heterosexual way my entire life, not thinking that I could ever express that or that it wasn't real love. Yeah, I mean, me, I'm I'm straight. I can't really speak on what that must have felt like. Mm-hmm. But what I can speak on as a straight person is the way that it affected me as a straight person and the way that it affected me in my relationships with people of the opposite sex and what I thought was expected. Or, and, like, even when you, like you said, like, for me, if I really liked a guy as a friend, you're right? like, oh, I'm, this is yeah. what love is. So I cannot even imagine if you didn't have those feelings for someone of the opposite sex. Yeah. That how confusing, especially and if how you were wrong someone, you felt. Yeah, especially if you were someone who really liked and enjoyed these movies. Mm-hmm. Like, because then you're having to reconcile, well, this is what I'm being told is is the norm. Yeah, so, and who are you supposed to identify with? Right. The villain? Yeah. No, you don't yeah, want to so do what, that. So you're an Ariel, but you don't want an Eric, and, like, what does that mean for you? Yeah, exactly. You know, like, Which, like, people are pulling so hard for Elsa to be gay. I know, yeah. I hope that they at least... I don't imply. think they'll do it. I, I think, don't think that, they'll do I it. I hope that they she may doesn't... In, they may imply, but I don't think that they will straight out... If they at least don't give her a romantic male interest and they still imply God, it... our bar is low. We're just so like... so low. We're like, just don't give her a male interest. I know, but it's like... No, but even, I agree. Even Anna ended up with... Kristoff at the I end. Agree. I'm like, why do we need it? We didn't need it. Which is why Moana is Which is, is why Moana great. is the best ever. Oh, Ugh. my God. <sighs> Moana. It, I... I have watched that movie like three times. I've cried every single time. Yeah. I'm an adult woman. I'm almost 30. I am a wanna. <laughs> I know. I listen to that song and I die. I want to touch on the over-sexualization of a 16-year-old character. Let's do it. Because they wrote her specifically to be 16. They could have left that line out. Yep. They literally could have left it out. Yep. I don't know why these male writers decided to write that line in. Yep. Because... It predatory. The only thing that it offered any perspective on is that her behavior is very much a teenage behavior. Right. But you didn't need to give us a specific age because by giving me as an adult woman, of course, it didn't bother me when I was a child. Yeah. The 16 seemed like a practically an adult to me when I yeah. was seven. Right. But as an adult woman, giving us that frame of reference makes it fucking weird because yeah. you have over-sexualized a teenage cartoon and put importance on kissing body language sexuality naked in parts of it and like again very craftful um animation and like camera work there but they didn't have to show that at all though it didn't need to or you just didn't need to say that she was 16 and then it would be fine but there was so much sexuality in this character that it felt very strange. Right. And so I just want to read to you a little snippet from an L.A. Times review of this movie that came out in 1989. So this is a male movie reviewer, Mm -hmm. an adult man, we can assume, commenting on a 16-year-old cartoon character. I'm scared. I'm scared. I'm going to sip my vodka cranberry. So it says... Mermaid's saucy heroine, Ariel, isn't much like Anderson's sad, noble sea maid. She's a sexy little honey bunch with a double scallop shell bra and a mane of red hair tossed in tumble-out-of-bed Southern California salon style. Stop! She has no gills, but when she smiles, she shows an acre of Farrah Fawcett teeth. Stop, stop, stop right now! It's cartoon? Gross! It's a 16-year-old. Gross! Can we not? Can we fucking not do this? Can we not? I don't like it. Talking about any woman that way would make me uncomfortable, even if you were talking about someone who was my age. It's also a fucking cartoon. Like, what a weird thing to say. Okay, but can you not say that when you were little, you didn't... Like, because they make them very human. Like, especially but you're animals... Gr- but you're a grown man. You're yeah. a grown man. Yeah, it's, it's true. You should not be looking at any cartoon this way. Except for maybe Jessica Rabbit for a lot of young okay, boys. Okay, she was kind of like... Again, but young boys. Yeah. We're talking about grown men. That's true. That's I true. I mean, and again, Jessica Rabbit, that's an adult movie. Yeah. And it was made... She was made to be that way yeah, as an adult true. woman. Ariel was supposed to be, like I said, this like a sweet, innocent... innocent. Yeah, but yet still sexy, but wasn't aware of her sexiness, which is... Which is what makes her sexier. Which is what makes her... She doesn't know she's hot. That's what makes you beautiful. Oh, fuck that. Um, that whole line of thinking. I know, that you right? don't know you're beautiful, that's what makes you beautiful. Fuck, fuck off. Fuck that. Yeah. Fuck that. 
Um, but yeah, it's that whole thing where you're supposed to be prude and things like that, but yet still be sexy. It's, it's such an unobtainable thing for a 16-year-old girl. I don't like it. I was not sexy at 16. I was awkward as yeah. fuck. I was wearing a lot of Hot Topic gear and way too much <laughs> eyeliner at 16. I wore a lot of eyeliner and Hollister and Victoria's Secret stuff, yeah. so no. that was my reality. Not good. No, it's fucked up. It's incredibly fucked up. So I read this article in Time Magazine from 2014 that says The Little Mermaid, not as sexist as you thought it was. And it's by Elena Doctorman and Laura Stampler. They say the fact that Ariel gives up her voice is problematic, but it's the villain who tells Ariel that men don't value women talking. She is also a 16-year-old girl, and 16-year-olds don't typically make the best choices in times of crushing, which is true. Haven't we all been there? Listen. Okay. All right. You're going to point. I'm going to counterpoint. because This is not me saying it. These are these two women. I know, but if we're going to have this conversation, if we're going to have this conversation, yes, sure, that's valid. It didn't need to be written that way. Agreed. Like, 100% so, so agreed. So to me, for them saying, like, it's not anti-feminist, I'm like, yes, it is, because it yeah. was written to be anti-feminist. I agree. Like, that is what that is. I 100% agree, which is why this interests me so much. So they go on to say that Eric originally falls in love with Ariel's voice, not her looks. He also says that he thinks Ariel lost her voice as part of a big event, which I don't remember him ever he, saying He does. That. He says you must have gone through a lot. He does yeah. seem like she's traumatized. Yeah. Well, then, he, then they say, so maybe he doesn't kiss her right away because he doesn't want to take advantage. He takes her back to his palace and is like, let's give you a bath and pretty you up, traumatic child like well i mean okay uh, from from that i can kind of see that because i'm just like maybe he didn't want to rush things either like mm-hmm. he didn't know she was under some kind of like weird fucking like spell so i i get that and he does say he does say like oh you must have been through a lot like let me like take you he, he yeah he does frame it as though she's been traumatized but i don't know that he deserves a fucking gold medal for no. that like that's kind of just basic human decency Agreed. Well, these are their two reasons why Prince Eric is great. Okay. Number one, he loves dogs. Fair. Fair. That's solidly fair. Number two, he's into it when Ariel does the carriage jump over the ravine. Okay. I feel like that's reaching. I feel like that's super reaching. It's like... Because you know what they did in that scene? They did in that scene something that annoys me in a lot of movies where they're just like, I'm not like the other girls. I like adventure. And I'm like, okay. And and always the men in those movies are impressed by that. That's nothing new. Exactly. I don't love that. Well, they go on to say he likes daring, empowered women and he falls in love with the woman who saves him. But he didn't know that. I know. Though. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't. I don't know that yeah. I agree. There, these people who wrote this article want this to be true so bad. I know they're <laughs> reaching. I'm telling you this, but I wanted to read it because I wanted this no, reaction. No, it's, it's fair. Okay, good. So Ariel saves him from the first shipwreck and from being zapped by Ursula's trident in the end. Fine, fair. She also sits passively while he actually spears Ursula and skewers her through the Absolutely, stomach. she's completely sidelined in her own story at the end. Like yeah. he. She's damseled. He yeah. rescues her. 100%. Like, without him and her dad, it would not have ended well. Yeah, like, and this movie is male-centric 100%. 100%. Yeah, 100%. The, the women barely speak in this movie. Yeah, they they hardly talk to each other. There are fucking seven sisters. Yeah, and, they and they're don't, in it for like two seconds. They don't talk to each other like, yeah. at all. At yeah, all. they're not concerned about Ariel. They're not going to go help Ariel they're out. They're just like, she's acting kind of weird, right? That's yeah. it. That's the Crazy. extent of their, their conversations. So with their argument of Ariel giving up her life to be with Eric, they go on to say, Ariel fell in love with the human world before she met Eric, which we said. Not a good reason to get married. No. Though. Not. It's not. They say there's also a time where we all must move away from our current surroundings, where she must give up her home life. We must move on. That's not a good reason to get married. People move elsewhere all the time for their partners, careers, and family. You've no. known each other for three days. Agreed. Like, that, that's the thing about Agreed. this. I'm just like, oh, um, why am I getting so worked up about this? I know. You guys have known each other for three days. I don't yeah. like people writing articles like that because, to me... It's so clearly trying to justify something that's very, very problematic. Yes, people move away. People well, make their decisions. argument is much weaker than the other arguments, It's very too. weak because it's like, peop- yes, people move and make decisions, grown-up decisions, yeah. to upend their life for someone they love because She's relationships 16. are about compromise. And has known him for three days. She's 16. She's known him for three days. She decided she was in love with him and to give up her entire life before she had really spoken a Agreed. single word to him. Agreed. Like, that's not normal and i 
honestly do feel like that narrative affected me very negatively very much up. so and also the idea like i remember when i first started dating it was like uh, pe- they were saying i love you after a week and i was like oh i love you too this yeah is this is what's normal and it fucked me up it yeah. messed up my relationships because i believed that whatever that I, I believed that infatuation that feeling that you get when you see someone from across the room and you're like there's a spark there i believed that that was love agreed because i was told and I wanted to be in love so bad because right. of these movies. I wanted to feel it was that the best way, thing you know? ever. Yeah. It was the best thing ever. Agreed. Everything is telling me it's the best thing ever. Yep. Everything is telling me that if I see a guy from across the room and I have these feelings that that is love, mm-hmm. and that's not love. And the first guy you meet is the guy you're going to marry, right? Because and he loves you. Ever after, if you course. find someone who loves you, that's it. The rest of it doesn't matter. You can upend your life, yeah. Because all that matters is that he loves you, exactly. And, and nothing that else matters. Definitely a way that I thought for a very, very, very so did long I. time. And it's not true. It's not true. If you're young and you're listening to this, that's not true. Yeah. Love is about so much more than just those initial feelings of Great. infatuation or lust or whatever that is. And it takes time, and it takes going through some stuff as much as I don't want to say that that's a necessity but like you don't really know if you can make it with this person for a lifetime until you've kind of been tested in Ariel and Eric would be divorced in fucking five years. Agreed. 100%. Less than that. They'd be there's, Britney Spears and the guy she married in Vegas. There's 0% chance that they could make that, well, not a 0% chance, but they don't fucking know each other. Yeah. They didn't know each other well enough to rush into getting married. Yeah. And I think it's a very negative message It's a very old school message, too, because I think back then, you know, before the 80s, I'm talking way back when, when their life, when your lifespan was shorter, you tended to, like, meet a guy, love him, and marry him. Yeah. Your lifespan was shorter you know what i mean things move yeah bitch i'm trying to live to 100 i don't want to be stuck with you if like you're shitty yeah exactly you want to be with the best guy possible um there's a couple other things i want to touch on just right here at the end of our episode so kind of speaking to ariel not having any agency and kind of being run by the men in her life or the people that she's surrounded by because the only other woman of any consequence in this movie is her enemy yeah. Which is also shit. Have you watched any of the sequels? I have. I watched, you watched the second the one. the third one. I have not watched the third they one. They show how her mother died and things like that. It's interesting. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah, I saw the second one with her daughter. But, um, so the only, the only other woman in this story is supposed to be Ursula, who is supposed to be her enemy, which yeah. is also some women competition bullshit that is bullshit. But... She is completely controlled by the men in her life up until the very fucking end when her dad sees her looking sad yeah. at Eric and just decides. I'm going to let her make her decisions. Be, but no, he oh. doesn't. He just turns her into a person. He doesn't ask her, hey, maybe do you want to be a person? Yeah. Do you want to? Like, or was this just fun times? That's as- such, like, problematic dad stuff, I feel like, because, like, isn't that the trope of dads, like, not having a conversation, just, like, trying to fix things and realizing it's not what their kid wants? Right. She, she like looks... like every, every sitcom dad. She looks sad looking at Eric. So, you know what? I'm going to give her her legs back. And it's like, you did not need to do that. Like, you should have talked to her about that, because what if she was just like, yeah, I'm sad. That could have been fun. But you know what? I really want to stay in the ocean with my my family and yeah. all of my friends and my and whole everything life. everything that I know, yeah. Yeah, but he, he was just like, no, I know what's up. I'm going to turn her into a person. So there's that. That's the only thing I have left to say about that story. But I also wanted to kind of comment on Hans Christian Andersen really quickly. Yes. So Hans Christian Andersen wrote the original Little Mermaid, which had a completely different ending. Yeah, she has um, her tongue cut off. She decided that there was no way she was going to be able to make it in the human world, and um, he ends up with someone else, and mm-hmm. so she dissolves into sea foam at the end of the the book. It's, yeah. it's a much sadder ending. Yes. But I thought this was interesting, is that um, Hans Christian Andersen was a gay man. Yeah. Uh, in a time when he absolutely could not have been. And there is this kind of lore surrounding The Little Mermaid that he had an affair with an upper-class uh, man okay. who ended up having to 
Marry a woman. Marry a woman okay. who is also of like high class standing. Oh, he and so he's he's the Little Mermaid. Oh like, my god! He, stop! I'm gonna cry. Right? Like he was like and I. Disney just shat on that. I mean, yes, but I mean that's not unusual. But no, it, but, but I think it's interesting to point out that beautiful. like yeah he he realized like he could never fit in with that upper class society world. Yeah. Um, where this man could not be his authentic self, and so had to marry this this woman, and so. He's the Little Mermaid who had to dissolve into sea foam. Oh my god, I want to hug him. Yeah, yeah, and so that's He's kind so of his, tortured his and like, coding. Oh. Whenever he wrote this this story, which yeah. I think is kind of like really beautiful. I didn't beautiful. know that. I, yeah. I had heard the gay thing, but I didn't know the whole. That's story. what I've. That's what I've heard is that like that was kind of like that is beautiful. I, it's beautiful and tragic. Tragically so beautiful. Fucking sad. So tragically beautiful. Uh, but which, an interesting thing, like yeah. to see what is now probably. This story has been told and retold in a million different ways, yeah. but the biggest story is Disney's Little Mermaid, yes. and to kind of see where yes. its roots were um, is interesting. Very. You know, so. Oh, man. <sighs> well, you guys, we want to continue doing problematic faves, as you know, but I think we also really want to continue doing Disney problematic faves. Oh, fun. Yes, yeah, so, so fun. So if there's another Disney story that you would love for us to cover, I've got a list in my head. Oh, we're going to do Beauty and the Beast at some point, because I would, Yes. Problems. I would also love to do Snow White. Oh, oh. A hundred. A hundred percent Snow White. And that's yes. the one that started it all. So if you guys have any movies plus, like, thoughts that you have along with it, like, you should do Sleeping Beauty because she's unconscious through the whole movie. You know, things like that. <laughs> Consent problems Consent in that movie. Consent problems, hardcore. If you want to send us any of those things, feel free to email us at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com. You can direct message us and follow us on Instagram at Angry Neighborhood Feminist. Go ahead and follow us on Twitter. It is at Yanf Podcast. Y-A-N-F Podcast. You can follow our Facebook group page or like us on our business page. You can also rate and review us there. We really appreciate it. You can also rate and review us on iTunes, which we appreciate even more. Um, oh, listen to us on Radio Public. It helps us out so much. costs you nothing, and it gives us a little bit of monetary gain, which we really appreciate. And with all of that being said, we encourage you to rage on. Bye. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues, and it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.